Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of finance. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about uh, how to invest in property if your budget is less than $1 million. Uh, Now, of course, $1 million is a lot of money. There's no doubt about that, but it's becoming increasingly difficult to buy a investment grade house in either Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane uh, for less than a million dollars. So with that being the case, uh, where do you invest if your budget uh, can't stretch to that point that allows you to buy a house? Uh, Well, firstly, let me say that I'm still uh, very optimistic about the Brisbane market. Um, It is still possible, uh, I think, to buy an investment grade house uh, in Brisbane uh, how long that persists for, I'm uh, I'm really not sure about. Uh, but if you're interested, uh, there's a uh, a podcast I did in August uh, 2021 where I shared my I guess investment case uh, for buying an investment grade property in Brisbane. Uh, and um, I'm pleased to say I put my money where my mouth is. My wife and I uh, settled on an investment property in Brisbane last month. Uh, so I eat my own cooking, which I think is uh, sort of important to point out. Uh, so I'm still bullish about that market, um, but it is very challenging. Uh, and there's two challenges, by the way. The The first one is, you know, obviously price point challenges. Uh, and then the second challenge is, is buyer's agents. Buyer's agents in Brisbane are so, so busy. Uh, that they, and, and you can imagine a lot of buyers are really in that, say, 700 to a million dollar mark. Uh, so it's very crowded. So um, getting a buyer's agent to represent you in this market uh, is also uh, very challenging just because they're so busy. Now, of course, I probably don't even need to say it, but um, if you think about Melbourne and Sydney and, and the cost of an investment grade house in those capital cities, uh, well, you're going to need well more than a million dollars, probably north of 1.3 in Melbourne uh, and approaching 2 million and beyond uh, in Sydney. So uh, not even close Uh, Now, of course, it's possible to find houses in those capital cities that uh, you can purchase for less than a million dollars, except those properties tend to be in uh, non-investment grade locations or have uh, completely unacceptable compromises. So that is, they're not really deemed uh, to be investment grade. And remember, um, there's never a good reason to invest in a sub-quality standard asset. And in fact, your long-term returns will be directly related to the quality of your investment asset. Uh, That's true with property and really any sort of investment uh, because you cannot expect uh, good quality returns from an average or poor quality uh, asset. They're they're going to be commensurate with asset quality. So if I was faced with the decision to buy uh, an impaired house, or a investment grade apartment. I'm going to go investment grade apartment every day of the week um, because it's really about quality uh, and less so uh, that that's the number one concern. Uh, and then whether it's a house, a villa unit or an apartment uh, is secondary to, to quality. And that's actually a good segue to talking about villa units. Uh, so villa units, just let me describe what I'm talking about here. You know, it's normally... Um, Sometimes they're called flats, uh, normally small houses that share the same block of land. So there might be three on the block. They tend to be single-level homes, uh, typically constructed in the 1960s or thereafter, say between 1960s and 1980s, uh, sort of in that range. 
Um, uh, typically, the owners have some shared amenities. Uh, often, it's just restricted to a shared driveway, um, but sometimes can be you know courtyards and those sorts of things. Um, but essentially, each individual owner. Uh, has an interest in and control of their own parcel of land, their own portion of land uh, within that within that block. Now, you will find that villa units tend to be quite prevalent in impaired locations, such as busy main roads or sort of secondary suburbs, you know, a little bit further out. But it is possible to also find them in investment grade locations, uh, you know, in, in sort of blue chip uh, suburbs, um, but you must select them very carefully. Um, villa units are a scarce asset, which is good for capital growth. Uh, and the reason they're a scarce asset is because um, they're really not economical for uh, property developers to build anymore. Um, if the, if a property developer is considering, you know, as a, a block of land in a in a very valuable location, they're probably going to build a you know twenty apartments rather than three villa units. Um, and so uh, f- for that reason. Uh, they tend to be quite land value heavy, um, and that makes them a good investment. And then they're scarce, which also, again, makes them uh, a good investment. Uh, it's possible to buy a villa unit in Melbourne for around a million dollars, maybe 900 to 1.1, sort of that might be your range, uh, again, in an investment grade location. Um, it's not possible to do that in Sydney, of course. Uh, and villa units aren't that common uh, in established suburbs in, in Brisbane. Uh, they tend to really have houses uh, or a, a, a block of apartments, um, but the same principles apply uh, in that Brisbane market. So if your budget is less than $900,000 then, then what do you do? Well, my view is that investment-grade apartments in Melbourne uh, represent the best value opportunity for uh, property investors. Um, and have the fundamentals that exhibit potentially the best uh, growth prospects, uh, not only longer term, but certainly over the shorter to medium term. I published a report on investment-grade apartments in October 2020, um, which is available on the website, and I've taken the opportunity to update that report. Uh, My update is included in section one of that report. Um, I've included as an, an addendum. Uh, and you can download a copy, uh, link will be in the show notes and obviously on the blog on the website, so you can certainly take a look at that, um, which sort of outlines my rationale or confirms my rationale that I wrote uh, back in October 2020, uh, and then adds to it and updates some of that information as well. Um, but I guess uh, I can present the investment case uh, by highlighting three positives or three attributes of why I think uh, investment-grade apartments are the best option uh, if you have less than 900000 to invest, and I should say investment-grade apartments in Melbourne. Um, okay, so the first one is that apartments have never been cheaper in, in Melbourne relative to the cost of houses. Uh, so what I did is I've charted the um, relative cost of houses versus apartments, um, uh, since 1980, and it's an all-time high. So at the moment, the median uh, house value is 1.45 times the median apartment value. Uh, and that's certainly um, the highest it's been on record, um, at, which sort of suggests potentially that you know either houses are overvalued or apartments are undervalued, and it could be, uh, of course, both those things. So as I said, currently uh, houses are worth 1.45 times 
uh, what apartments are worth. And if we have a look back in history, um, from 1980 through to 2005, that 25-year period, the average was around 1.3 times. Um, And then it dropped down to 1.2 times between uh, 05 and and 2013, uh, mainly driven by the strength of the apartment market. Um, And then now, obviously, we've had uh, really since 2013, uh, houses have done incredibly well in terms of price performance. At the same time, uh, apartments have done uh, poorly. uh, And so the um, ratios uh, widened out to 1.4 times. Um, so we should ask ourselves, is is relative value a good predictor of future returns? Uh, well, there's two times we can look at um, where uh, the market has peaked uh, previously, uh, less than what it is currently, but um, it peaked in 1989 and then again in 1998. Uh, so in uh, 1989, it was 1.38 times. So still quite high, but not as high as it is today. Uh, and if we have a look at subsequent growth after the five years um, after 1989, uh, apartments only grew by uh, 3% um, and houses at that same time over that same period grew by 2.3, so uh, less growth. Um, but if we think about that period, 1989 through to 1994, uh, we had the recession that we had to have um, as it was coined at the time. Uh, so it's probably not a useful indicator when, you know, it was really Australia's last uh, real recession. I guess we had a techno- technical recession last year, but uh, real recession. So let's look to then 1998, when again the ratio peaked to 1.35 times. Uh, so again, at the moment it's 1.45, so 1.35 in 1998. Um, the subsequent five-year growth... Uh, at that time was apartments grew by 14.9%. So it suggests that potentially relative value could be a uh, reasonable indicator of future returns. And that probably stands to reason. So if you think about the logic of it then, um, if houses are a lot more expensive than apartments, uh, then really if I want to go and buy in an investment-grade location, uh, maybe 10 years ago I could afford either a house or an apartment, I could make that decision. Um, however, if houses are a lot more expensive today, um, those those buyers that used to buy a house might be forced back into that apartment market. Uh, so either got to do that or compromise on location, you know, go further out. And, and there's a, a large cohort of people just don't want to make that compromise. Um, and they'll just have to make friends with, you know, buying a two-bedroom apartment as opposed to a two-bedroom house. And, and so that means that uh, the proportion of buyers, a greater proportion of buyers, uh, will be looking at the apartment market rather than the house market. So it makes sense that when houses are relatively expensive, uh, apartments are, are probably going to perform uh, better over in the shorter to sort of medium term. That leads me nicely into my second point. And my second point is that the best time to invest uh, in a market is after a period of poor returns. Now, assuming you're you're investing into established market and you're using a rules-based approach, uh, so you're buying a quality asset, the best time to buy into that market is after a a period of poor returns. And the reason for that is mean reversion. Uh, And it's an irrefutable fact that established markets eventually revert to their mean return, so their average return. 
That means that a, a period of below average growth is typically followed by a period of above average growth. And given that property cycles last tend to last around seven to 10 years, uh, and, and I've observed that previously in my work, um, uh, given we're already sort of 10 years into this cycle of uh, very low growth, um, 3.7% uh, over the last 10 years in, in investment grade apartment, or the, just the apartment market, I should say, in Melbourne, um, then as each year passes, the probability of us entering into the next growth cycle is becomes higher and higher and higher. Um, and also, the longer the period of below average growth, um, the more substantial the return. So, by letting mean reversion do all the heavy lifting, you know you're, you're investing in a market that um, that is prime for growth, that that has you know a lot of pent up demand and so forth. Um, I mean, if you look at the average growth between 1980 and uh, 2011, uh, so 10 years up to 10 years ago, the average growth in investment grade apartments was nine percent. That's pretty substantial, and, and it does demonstrate that they do have the capacity to be able to drive a lot of capital growth. Um, but really, the last 10 years, as I said, has been 3.7%, so well below the average. Uh, now, the the inflation rate was higher over that period of time, that 9%, so maybe that's really 6.5% of real growth, you know, 6.5% plus inflation, but still, it's a considerable return. Um, now, it's not always easy uh, to invest in markets after a period of very low growth. Uh, in fact, it's it's co- sort of contrary to um, your, your gut feelings or your gut instinct. T- to some degree, it feels a lot safer to invest in markets that have recently produced really good returns because it feels a bit safe. You just don't know what, uh, you know, why would you invest in something now when it's only given me 3.7% return over the last 10 years? So, of course, it, it doesn't feel... Um, like an obvious thing to do, um, and you really do need to trust in uh, you know the fundamentals, uh, take a long term view, um, and um, and really rely on that mean reversion uh, coming through. It will uh, the that's without a doubt. I think it's just the timing of when that will occur is probably the unknown factor. But as I said, as as each year passes, um, as we get deeper into you know an extended period of um, very little returns, uh, then we get much, much closer to a market. And I guess uh, a better market. And I guess uh, that was the observation recently in Perth. You know, up in Perth market has been doing really well over the last 18 months, two years. Um, but the previous 10 years to that, it, it really um, was a really horrible and, and tough uh, property market. Um, and then as each year was going by, I was thinking, well, when's Perth going to kick off? Um, and it eventually did, but no one knows when that's going to happen. Okay, and my last point, my last reason why I think uh, investment-grade apartments in Melbourne represent the best uh, value opportunity for property investors with a budget of less than 900000 is the supply-side story. So um, in my report in October 2020, I sort of talked about, you know, the impact of supply of new apartments uh, in Melbourne having a great impact on um, their returns and the return and and growth of established apartment uh, property prices, right? There was an influx, a massive influx of supply, and of course, then it affected prices. Well, for the same reasons, I think supply is going to drive growth. So if we have a look at 
you know, apartment supply in Melbourne, uh, let, let's look at the average this year, it's averaging about 8,700 apartments uh, as an annualised figure in 2021. That's the sort of, you know, the new apartments that have been approved. Um, that level hasn't been seen since 2010, um, but we have to be cognizant that in 2010, there was a million less people in Melbourne at the time. So on a per capita basis... Uh, you could argue that apartment supply has never been lower. Um, you know, maybe in the 80s, but uh, certainly not not since then. Uh, and it, it, there's a big pipeline, like as a, a lead time, I should say, uh, when apartment gets approved versus when it gets sold versus when it gets occupied. So um, it's going to be a big ship to turn. So we're probably going to enter into a period of very, very tight supply. Um, and that should um, underpin prices and hopefully um, push them uh, push them higher. Uh, and even if uh, developers turn around tomorrow and think, okay, let's go and build a whole bunch of apartments, you know, there's a one to two year lead time. Um, so we're at least got to market a very tight supply uh, for the next couple of years and possibly longer. Uh, so just to remind you um, in terms of those three things that I think uh, three factors or observations or viewpoints maybe, uh, firstly, apartments have never been cheaper uh, relative to houses uh, in Melbourne. Um, the second reason was that mean reversion will do all the heavy lifting, that the uh, average returns over the past 10 years have been well below uh, the long-term uh, average returns, uh, and then a uh, much, much tighter supply. In fact, uh, very few apartments uh, are planned to be constructed in Melbourne um, over the next period of time. So I think those three factors will lead to um, uh, arguably, or what I would expect, pretty good price growth over the next five years. Um, when that growth cycle will begin is obviously less certain. Of course, um, I've put uh, more detail around this in the report that I've prepared, so feel free to go and download and have a look at that. Uh, and I think particularly if you already own an investment-grade apartment in Melbourne uh, or you, if you intend to, to purchase one. Um, so let me leave you uh, then with some indicative ranges you know, in terms of budgets uh, in regards to investing. So um, if you had a budget of, say, half a million dollars to uh, $700,000, I would suggest that look for a one-bedroom investment-grade apartment in Melbourne. That's kind of your range. If you've got less than half a million dollars, you're probably going to struggle um, to really get into that in, into that investment-grade market. Um, if you have seven hundred to nine hundred thousand, uh, then you should look at a two-better. Um, now, one of the the questions I might get, Stuart, if you've got six fifty seven hundred, why shouldn't I buy a two-better with that money? Uh, well, because I think you're going to get a better quality, a higher quality, one better for that price. I think you're spending, spreading your money too thinly um, and then going to compromise on quality if you try and get a two better for it. At the end of the day, what you're looking for is the attributable underlying land value in that apartment. Certainly bedrooms will have an impact on growth and, and value and so forth. Um, but quality is uh, quality trumps that every day of the week. And lastly, if you have nine hundred to a million dollars, then I think I'd be thinking about a, a villa style unit uh, in an investment grade location. Now, just to leave you, I know I bang on about this all the time, but asset selection is absolutely key. So buying the right asset is fundamental to uh, making property investing work. Uh, and so if you're going to go down that track, uh, I always encourage and counsel people to get 
quality advice. Uh, that is a, a really good quality, experienced, local area expert buyer's agent uh, to help you select the right asset. And most importantly, uh, avoid making a mistake, avoid investing in the wrong asset. Okay, uh, that's it for me for this week. Uh, thank you very much for rating and sharing the, the podcast. It certainly helps a lot with its um, uh, listens and so forth. And until next week, bye for now.